This is a Bloody Good Podcast where we discuss the mysterious, the unknown, and the unsolved. Are you ready? Hey everyone, and welcome back to a Bloody Good Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Wilson. So for episode 6, guys, we will be talking about Delfina and Maria de Jesus Gonzalez, a.k.a. Las Pocianchis. Now, before we even get started, let me preface by saying there are going to be some Spanish words, some Spanish cities that I'm probably going to butcher, so just bear with me, okay, guys? So Delfina and Maria were two sisters who ran a large-scale prostitution ring in Mexico from the 1950s to about the mid-1960s, and they were responsible for killing at least... 91 people. And Genesis World Records actually called them the most prolific murder partnership. Now, even though Delfina and Maria de Jesus Gonzalez are the most known for the murders, they actually had two other sisters, Maria Luisa Gonzalez Valenzuela and Carmen Gonzalez. So let's first start with their childhood because as we know, that's often where all these problems start, right? The sisters were born in El Sato de Juanacatlan in poverty. Their father, Isidro Torres, was the authoritarian and abusive figure in their life, and he had very specific expectations that he expected the girls to uphold. He was also a police officer, and unfortunately, he abused his power as a police officer. So when his daughters wore too much makeup or risque clothing that wasn't quite to his liking, he would lock them up in the town jail as a way to teach them a lesson. He was also known for shooting innocent people if they argued with him, and so basically as a result, he created more enemies than friends, and so they had to move to San Francisco del Rincon. Now, as the sisters grew older, they actually began to fear living in poverty. They didn't want to repeat kind of the situation that they grew up in. So they decided to move out and start their own small saloon in San Pancho, which, you know, made enough money for them to survive, but they weren't quite satisfied nor happy with the lifestyle they were able to achieve with the income that they were getting. So they decided to start dabbling in illegal activities. And as a way to keep the police officers away from their saloon, they started bribing them with sex. Now, the saloon slowly started turning into a large-scale prostitution ring, and they eventually expanded their business to Mexico City, San Juan de los Lagos, and San Juan del Rio. Now, when the business first started, they would actually personally recruit the women. But as their business grew, that actually became pretty unrealistic. So instead, they decided to run ads and then hire men who would search for the potential girls. And basically what they promised them is high wages and places to live in exchange for working as a waitress or maid. So they made it seem appealing to these girls who were typically poor, young, kind of, I guess, peasants per se, who had these big dreams of life in the big city. 
And so they were happy to oblige. Oh, what? I get this opportunity to work as a maid, as a waitress, live somewhere, make all this money. That's great, right? Who could pass that up? But they actually ended up getting themselves in something they had not anticipated. So instead of getting to experience life in the big city as a waitress or maid, they were forced into life as a sex slave. And so the girls were immediately put to work. The prettiest versions were actually saved for patrons with big money who would pay top peso for an untouched girl. And then the others would be raped right off the jump, intimidated, and showered with ice water as initiation. The girls also had to buy their clothes and makeup strictly from the Gonzalez sisters, which I actually thought was quite interesting because growing up, their father was actually very controlling of the makeup and clothes they could wear, so it's interesting that they then carried this over to their sex slaves. The slaves would also be force-fed heroin or cocaine to keep them compliant. And their main customer base was actually really high-ranking men, such as soldiers, councilmen, cops, villagers, that visited these brothels. Now, if a girl got too sick due to malnourishment, an STD, or due to an impromptu abortion, she would actually be locked up in a room and starved to death or beat to death with sticks and heavy logs by the other girls, who were, of course, forced to do so. And if one of the girls got pregnant, she would be beaten and forced to abort, and any fetuses that came of the pregnancies would actually be dumped in the backyards of the brothels or buried at the sister's main ranch. Now, unfortunately, if you were a John and you thought that you could come to these brothels with a big lump of cash, you were sadly mistaken because... The Gonzalez sisters and their little team would actually then murder you and bury your body and steal your cash. So it wasn't actually a good idea to bring more money than what it cost to pay the sex slaves. You get what I'm saying? And it's said that these women really had no remorse for life. They didn't show mercy for any living soul. They really gave no fucks pretty much. All they cared about was money and expanding their business because it was providing them the life that they wanted. They feared poverty and running this large-scale prostitution ring helped support the life that they envisioned for themselves, per se. Now, as I said before, this was going on from the 1950s to the mid-1960s. And though there were rumors surfacing about there being this prostitution ring, there being sex slaves, the Gonzalez sisters being behind it and all that, because the police had essentially been bribed off, nothing ever came from it, okay? But in January of 1964, one of the Gonzalez sister slaves, Catalina Ortega, actually managed to escape through a small opening in the wall. And even though the Gonzalez sisters' men tried to search for her to kill her, they weren't able to find her. So fortunately for Ortega, she managed to get a hold of her mother, and together they went to the Leon Guanajuato police. 
And she was actually super, super, super lucky this day because none of the police officers who frequented the brothels or were bribed off were on duty. So that worked out perfect. So the police obtained a search and arrest warrant against Delfina and Maria on January 14, 1964. Once on the property, police found a dozen emaciated and filthy women at the ranch who were locked up in a room and many were actually chained to the wall. As the police explored the ranch, some of the girls ended up pointing to spots on the ground where the bodies of the victims could be found. Investigations revealed the corpses of 80 women and 11 men in several fetuses. Delfina and Maria were then taken to a jail in San Francisco del Rincon, but due to angry villagers demanding for the sisters to be lynched, the judge sent them to squalid Irapuato City Jail. A week later, Maria Luisa Gonzalez Valenzuela, the other sister, actually went to a Mexico City police station to turn herself in in fear of being lynched. Apparently, though, she thought she was going to be immune since a judge had granted her immunity from the charges her sisters face. But upon arriving in Irapuato, she was arrested as well, so she was not immune at all. Now, Carmen, the other sister, remember there was four of them, she actually died in the late 1950s due to cancer. So by the time all of this unraveled, she was long gone. Now, fun fact, two days after the initial rest, Delfina, who's the eldest, tried to actually hang herself with her braids, but that didn't work. So after everything was all said and done, the sisters were all sentenced to 40 years in prison. The sisters wanted to appeal the sentence, though, arguing that, yes, okay, we operated a prostitution house, but we never killed anyone. That's the game that they tried to swing, but that appeal never worked out in their favor. So the 40 years is what actually ended up sticking. Now, 19 other persons were actually convicted due to involvement in the ring as well. So it wasn't just the two Marias and Delfina that ended up being arrested. There were others. Now, while in jail, Delfina actually ended up going kind of cuckoo, fearing that she would be murdered in jail. So on October 17th of 1978, while she was screaming and yelling, Workers who were doing repairs above her cell actually ended up looking down, trying to be nosy and see what the hell was going on down there, and they ended up dropping a 15-pound bucket of cement on her head. So, of course, she was taken to the hospital, and she spent about 15 days in agonizing pain before eventually dying. On November 19, 1983, Maria Luisa Gonzalez Valenzuela actually ended up dying alone in her cell. And by the time her body was found, which was about a day later, her body was already being eaten by rats, which is like pretty gross. Now the youngest sister, Maria de Jesus Gonzalez, was actually the only one to be freed because everybody else was dead. The exact date of her release though isn't really known, but legend has it that she met a man while she was in prison, and then upon release, they married and went off the grid for a while, and then she eventually died around the mid-1990s. Now remember I told you guys that they found the bodies of 80 women, 11 men, and several fetuses. And this was when they initially did their investigations. Well, in 2001, 
additional skeletal remains were unearthed from the premises, and so they suspect that the Gonzalez sisters and their little team actually killed up to 110 lives, but they believe there's more, and they're still kind of excavating the property and trying to see if they can discover more bodies, but I'm thinking if they were able to find just that many at one property, I mean, they had their brothels spread out, like it was in like four different cities, maybe more, maybe less, I don't know, but it was pretty spread out. So I'm sure they weren't like transporting the bodies just to get them to the main ranch. I'm sure they probably buried them where they could. So they're probably responsible for way more deaths than bodies that have been discovered. So yeah, so that is the story of the Gonzalez sisters or the Las Pocayanchis, and they actually hated that nickname, and I don't really care for it either, but apparently the nickname came from the man that they bought the bar in Lagos or Lagos from, and his name was El Pocayanchi. So the nickname was then passed on to the sisters, who were then called the Las Pocayanchis. So there's really no literal translation for what Pocayanchi stands for. It's just a name that was passed on from the guy they bought the bar from. So that's all I have for you guys. I do want to say that there was a lot of information that I feel like was left out. Because this is a story that took place in Mexico, there are a lot of resources, but they're in Spanish. And I did not have time this week to translate those resources to English. So what I'm going to do is on our blog, and I'll post the link in the description, is I'll include a link to our website that is going to translate one of the articles that I feel like has more information into English, and then I'll cite the original source, and I'll also bold throughout the story like additional things that I did not include in the podcast today. But yeah, like I said, definitely let me know your thoughts, and thanks again for joining me on a bloody good podcast.